0: Welcome to this episode of Checking It From The Cheap Seats. Today, we welcome special guest, Cliff Marshall. Cliff is a strength and conditioning coach for the Indiana Hoosier men's basketball team. Cliff is going to share all kinds of insight in this episode. It was a tremendous one. He'll talk about his faith. He's going to talk about coaching the heart of athletes. He's going to talk about working with guys in the past. Getting ready for the NFL Combine. He's going to talk strength, conditioning, nutrition. He's going to talk about Coach Woodson. He's going to talk about the Hoosiers and their quest for a Big Ten championship next season. You're going to like what you're going to hear. Chucking it from the cheap seats. Enjoy. All right, uh, so this morning we are joined by Cliff Marshall, strength and conditioning coach, extraordinaire of the indiana hoosiers and uh, coach marshall i normally steal all the thunder from all of our guests that we have on the podcast and i uh, i end up giving their bio information so this morning i'm gonna let you tell the kids uh in the media class and uh, tell all of our listeners about cliff marshall
1: all right well you said it i'm the head strength and conditioning coach for the Indiana Hoosiers men's basketball team. Um, I'm going into my sixth season, believe it or not, uh, with the Hoosiers. Um, I've been doing this, uh, strength and conditioning thing for just over 20 years. This was my 20th season. So I got started at a very young age at the university of Louisville with their football program, which is where I graduated from. Mm -hmm. And, um, Started there as a student assistant in college and worked my way up to a graduate assistant. And um, after graduating, I got a job in my early 20s, was blessed by the grace of God to get an opportunity in the NFL to work for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh-huh. So I was with the Bengals kind of during their run when they had Chad Cinco and some of their, some, some really, really great players and playoff runs and. Then I launched a pro-athlete training business in Cincinnati called Ignition, Mm -hmm. uh, which was in the private sector, but it was for, you know, athletes looking to take their game to the next level through speed and agility training, as well as strength, Mm -hmm. and uh, was blessed to train more than 400 professional athletes over over a 10-year span, and that included players from the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. And during that time, I started getting consulting jobs. So one of the consulting jobs I got was with NFL Network. So I was able to be on NFL Network and create uh, training videos with my high-level NFL players, as well as training articles on, you know, nutrition and flexibility and strength training yeah. for NFL.com. And my next opportunity came in the consulting world with Xavier basketball which mm-hmm. is in Cincinnati playing the Big East uh they brought their team up to do speed and agility training with me and our staff at Ignition and um that was in 2013 and I did that all the way up until 2017 mm-hmm. and then the Dayton Flyers did the same thing with me in 2015 um and so that led me to a relationship with Archie Miller. Mm-hmm. When Archie Miller got the job here at Indiana University as a head basketball coach, he reached out to me and offered me the position, uh, which is what led me here to Bloomington. That is
0: awesome. That, that's, that's quite a journey. Um, along your journey.
2: For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top tier player development programs team camps, individual skills camps, shooting camps, we improve performance, period. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest independent basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts D1 Basketball Camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps has hosted more sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp, shootout, or summer tournament. D1 Team Camps provide the best chance for a school's coach to work with all their teams against top flight competition from throughout the Midwest. Chucking it from the cheap seats is brought to you by Shootaway. Offering products like 12K series guns, proven by time and again by the nation's top school and college coaches/slash programs. For special pricing discounts, contact Bruce Helt at 317-767-5543 or go to Shootaway.com.
0: Along your journey, you've uh, you've had a family, and uh, tell us a little bit about your family and a little bit about how you balance things, because I know you spend a significant amount of time. Uh, investing in the athletes there at IU. So tell us a little bit about your family and, and how you balance all that.
1: Yeah, so I married my high school sweetheart, uh, Stacy uh, Snowpack, and she's, um, you know, I would say the the glue that holds our family together right mm-hmm. now. Um, She and I started dating in high school. So, you know, to the high school listeners in your class there, you know, you can – you can meet your future wife right there as a sophomore in high school like I did. Uh huh. And, um, you know, she's a coach's wife, but I'll never forget when I proposed to her at the university of Louisville, we've been dating about seven years. And, uh, one of my mentors told, told me, he said, before you propose, make sure you ask her if she's willing to live a coach's life. Mm-hmm. And what that means is long hours and also moving your family around the country Mm -hmm. right yeah and so she's been great with that and uh she's a stay-at-home mom here we have a a 11 year old daughter and a seven-year-old son both are active here and play sports in Bloomington and Bloomington has kind of become home to them Mm -hmm. and um kind of the way I balance that you know when you talk about work-life balance is you know I bring my family into Indiana basketball Mm -hmm. because I'm there so much Mm-hmm. You know, and works so many hours, and especially during the season, which is about six months long. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed that Coach Woodson allows our families to be around the program. Yeah. Um, so they travel to some away games. They're always at the home games. My son uh, was blessed this year to, to even be around practice some, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget brought him up to Ohio State for the for the road trip game this year, and I asked Coach Woodson could he ride along for the shoot around mm-hmm. and the day of the game and coach Woodson agreed to that well when we when he gets on the bus coach Woodson who sits in the front seat scoots over and says Harrison who's my son's yeah. name says, I want you to sit with me oh wow and so <laughs> my son's eyes got big as silver dollars he was so nervous uh sitting there with the head ball coach on the way to the to the gymnasium but that's just an example of how coach Woodson you know, creates a family atmosphere, and I'm so, so thankful for that. That That is and, awesome. Uh, yes, and so we've made great memories, you know, being this year, we went to the Bahamas where,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we were able to go on an overseas tour and, and even going to Portland, Oregon this year for the NCAA tournament. My family was along for all that, so we're creating great memories here in Bloomington.
0: That's awesome. When, when your family, your wife can be as involved as that, you know – I've had a couple college coaches on the podcast the last couple weeks. Mike Burris, assistant coach at the University of Indianapolis. And Dusty May, who used to be a um, a student manager there for Coach Knight and was on staff with uh, Mike Davis. He's now the head coach at Florida Atlantic. And that was the the common thread that all the coaches hit on, what you just hit on, um, was if you're going to have that balance and you're going to be in coaching – your wife has to be bought in from the very beginning. She's got to be a big part of what you do, but you also have to work for people or work with people who are willing to allow the kids to be involved. And And I just think that's so awesome to hear that story about coach Woodson.
1: Yeah. So my son will never forget that bus ride with coach Woodson.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. No. And, and you know, I, I've actually seen your son play. I've not run into you at the ball fields, but I know that your kid, uh, like a lot of kids in in Indiana that's involved in travel sports and you're involved with uh, a team um, out of that Bloomington area, uh, a travel team, and and you're involved with two people I know pretty well, John Neal and Caleb Dunkerley, good guys, and and, uh, that team has a lot of success on the ball field, don't they, Coach?
1: They certainly do. They're uh, in their second year playing travel ball, and I just love the the coaching staff and then the friends that my son has made on that team. But yeah, they travel all over Indiana, and I think they're going to Louisville, Kentucky this weekend to play. And yeah. I think their record right now is like 18 and 3 or 19 and 3. So that's a big part of you know the, the community here in Bloomington when we talk about the school they're growing up in, but also the sports they're playing at such a young age and. You know, to be honest with you, um, that is something that is tough about the coaching profession because you never know as a, as a coach in a Power 5 conference, and especially like a big school like Indiana basketball school, yeah. how long you're going to have the job. Mm-hmm. There's coaching changes. There's pressure, right? And there's... Yeah. Um, coaching change that we went through last year. So a year ago, I didn't really know if I was going to have a job at Indiana University or not because
3: mm-hmm.
1: Archie Miller got fired. Yeah. And typically when this the head coach gets fired, then the strength coaches let go as well. Yeah. Especially especially if the head coach brought you along with them,
3: mm-hmm. which
1: was the case for me and Archie Miller. So, you know, I thank God each morning typically when I'm driving to work for the opportunity that he's continued to let me have here at Indiana and that Mike Woodson trusted me enough to keep me on the staff. And that has directly impacted my family because now my son and daughter get to continue to live out their, their lives here in Bloomington at school and with their friends. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a blessing for sure.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I know during that time, that that's got to be a tough time. I went through that as a coach, where I was let go, and then was able to bounce back because people gave me opportunities. It's really good to see Coach Miller has bounced back, and he's now at Rhode Island. Uh, have you talked to Coach Miller since he's taken the Rhode Island job?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, you know, obviously, we created a great friendship, and mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was tough the way it ended here at Indiana University. But I made sure that he knew that I was here to support him and help him. Moving forward in any way, and that's beyond basketball. Just being a friend in life. So, yes. obviously, we talked as um, he was uh, getting the job there at Rhode Island, and you know, um, you know, I'm so happy to see him back on the sidelines because I believe this is his passion, and basketball is kind of, you know, what he does. He he doesn't really golf. He doesn't really fish. He studies <laughs> basketball and just and just lives it. So I'm so fired up for him. And I'll be definitely following Rhode Island as they as they play there in the eight ten this year,
0: Coach. I was going to ask you a different question, but you you hit on kind of a hobby of yours, fishing. And one of the things I love about following you on social media is is the pictures that you have where you take these guys, and a lot of times they're they're not guys I'm sure that are huge fishermen uh, coming in there to Indiana, but you take them out and you get them out on the lake, you get them into some secret cove that you found where you can catch some big bass. Uh, talk to our listeners a little bit about how special that is that that's become a part of what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I think finding an escape, you know, from your job or, or whatever it may be is, is important in life. And mm-hmm. for me, that's been fishing. I fished as a kid growing up uh, in Kentucky. I lived on a farm and I really enjoyed fishing there with my brothers. And when I moved here to Bloomington, I found a, a lake here in my, in my neighborhood. And I was able to, you know, find out there's some decent fish in there. And um, just a couple of days a week when the weather's nice out, I try to go out there and, and just enjoy myself for 30 minutes, an hour fishing. And um, I, when it comes to our players, um, you know, I, I do something with our team called the five love languages. Mm-hmm. And basically what that does <clears throat> is it tells me how I can coach or reach our players better. Yeah. and um, for example, the five love languages. Uh, one would be quality time. One would be gifts. One would be, um, you know, words of affirmation. And basically, the players go through a, a, a test of forty questions, and at the end of the test, it tells you what the player's love language is.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So if I want to get to the heart of the athlete, which is my philosophy, right, mm-hmm. building strong relationships with our players then I need to fit. I need to find time outside of the weight room and outside of basketball to spend time with them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so my, my way of doing that is uh, fishing with the guys. And you're right. A lot of them haven't fished in the past. So a couple of times my, my daughter, you know, who's 10 years old, you know, going fishing with these guys, she's having to show them how to put the, the fishing worm on the hook. Yeah. But, um it's it's great you know and it's uh the, the players enjoy it so this is the time of year where we do a lot of that Armand franklin um uh, has caught the biggest probably of any of the of any of the players that i've taken out fishing he uh-huh. caught about a four pound bass and it was on his first cast out oh wow uh into the lake he hooked into this huge bass so He's caught the biggest, but all these guys enjoy it. And uh, like I said, it's it's more about bonding with the guys and just creating memories, you know, fishing uh, here around Bloomington.
0: Absolutely. You know, Coach, you you talked about getting to the heart of of athletes and helping relationships. Another thing that I I really appreciate you uh, for is the way that you profess your faith. And you're unabashed about that. Just, just touch on that a little bit about how important that is to you and uh, what you do every single day. You know, you talked about your drive in and, and thanking the Lord for the opportunities. Uh, but just talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think my faith is what drives me every day. Um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, over the course of, of my life, there's been many things that have happened to me that has strengthened my faith. Um, and when I was in high school, you know, I was in a period of time where, you know, I wasn't, I, I was going to church with my mom and dad because they made me on Sunday. But I didn't really have a personal relationship
3: mm-hmm.
1: with God. But over the course of my early 20s, uh, I, was, I was getting into coaching. I hit a really tough spot in my life. You know, I was dealing with uh, addiction, with alcohol. My marriage was in a very, very tough spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had battled addiction to gambling. And I just didn't feel fulfilled, even though I was in the NFL in my early 20s. I just didn't have fulfillment. Yeah. And so um, I called God into my life on December 16, 2008, and my faith has has grown stronger since then. So uh, it's been 13 years, but it again it it, it drives me each and every day um, to think with an eternal perspective,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and really to think with the end in mind. And what that means is thinking about our funeral and the life that we live leading up to our funeral. Uh-huh. And then once we get to our funeral, what will people say about us? What is the impact that we made? Because this world's not our home; we're just traveling through. Uh-huh. And um, when it when that comes to to how I, I coach um, in 2013, I was training players for the NFL draft. Uh-huh. And one of the players that I was training. Was a big defensive tackle out of out of Pittsburgh, okay. And we were just about a week away from the NFL Combine, which, if you guys know anything about the NFL Combine, it's the player's biggest job interview,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they've got to run the forty yard dash and vertical jump and all this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> the player after we were in Naples, Florida, training uh, at, at a facility down there, and I found out that the players were wanting to go jet ski to get mm-hmm. on a jet ski. And I told the players, you know, as they were sitting around in the ice tub and whatnot, talking about it, I said, fellas, let's hold off because the combine's one week away, and I don't want any of you guys getting thrown off a jet ski and hurting your shoulder or whatnot. Yeah. Long story short, they don't listen. Mm -hmm. And a group of four of them went out to get on jet skis.
0: Right.
1: At about 6.30 on a Saturday night, I get a phone call from one of the players that was down there and said, Cliff, Coach Cliff, I've got bad news. Chaz is missing. They found his jet ski floating in the Gulf. Oh, my. And uh, he's not on it. So they've caught in the helicopters and the rescue, and they're looking for him in the ocean. And so I'll never forget that moment because I felt like, okay, uh, you know, here this player is. He's he, He's died. And I'm gonna to have to call his mom and dad, his agent, Sports Center, ESPN. They're gonna be down here covering this. Like, just a very sick feeling in my stomach. Oh yeah. Well, it was gonna be dark at about seven o'clock with ten minutes to spare. The helicopter spotted the football player in the ocean floating. Oh my. And they they rescued him. And they end up getting him to the hospital, and he ends up living. But. The reason I share that with you is because it it was a point in my coaching career that I really changed my philosophy. The philosophy is that relationships are eternal, Mm -hmm. but results are temporary. That's awesome. And the whole thing about the NFL combine, right? We had to put hours and hours and hours upon getting him ready for the 40 yard dash and the vertical jump and, preparing for the NFL draft, uh-huh. that it's all meaningless in the end, right? I mean, it's all um, – it's not its not eternal. Yes. And so for me, I had to think bigger picture when it comes to developing relationships and working with these athletes that um, your vertical jump is important, but it's not what's most important. Uh-huh. Because that situation just showed me, like, the life is short, you know, and I thought this player was dead and gone on. And um, obviously, it was a situation that brought a lot of clarity to me about how I want to train my athletes moving forward.
0: Absolutely. No, that's amazing perspective and, and a, an amazing story. And glad to hear that that athlete uh, made it out and, and was able to continue on and basically had a second chance.
1: Well, coach. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, coach. We uh, that uh, that story. I'll tell you what. No, no question that I'm going to ask you. The rest of the podcast is going to equal anything that you just talked about for the last four or five minutes. I I really really appreciate your perspective on that and and where you stand and 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 how you go about your business. But you know your your everyday job. There's a strength and conditioning coach there at in Indiana. You, you have those guys every day. Um, you're in contact with them a lot. What advice can you give to high school coaches, um, and, and really primarily basketball coaches because that's who listens to our podcast, about strength and conditioning um, and just maybe a few tips, uh, quick tips that, that you can offer advice as far as helping our athletes become bigger, faster, and stronger?
1: Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, you talk about player development, right? Even at the high school level. Uh, so you have to step away from basketball. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about basketball, I'm saying anything with a basketball in their hand.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you have to look at a 12-month calendar and say, where can we get better? And how can we get better mm-hmm. um, without using a basketball? And that's where strength and conditioning coaches come into play. Right, And I'm not saying you put the basketball up Yes, and you lift weights for six months and then you get the basketball back out. Use the basketball 12 months out of the year, but find time to improve your game by getting stronger.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can tell you the players that we've had come in, you know – that lifted weights in high school, I'll give you one example, Rob Fennessey. Mm-hmm. Rob was in, was doing an in-school weightlifting class, I believe his last two years of high school at McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. And that allowed him to come in and start as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. And not only start, but play big-time minutes and big-time games and guard some All-Americans like Cassius Winston at Michigan State. hmm To where he was ready when he got on campus. It wasn't like we had to put him in a strength training program at IU and two years to develop his body. Like he was ready right away. Uh Trace Jackson Davis, another Indiana kid, he was in weightlifting classes at Center Grove, Uh right? And these weightlifting classes allow these guys to lift weights year round. Uh And so I think it helped Trace come in again. Started as a true freshman, played over 30 minutes a game, all Big Ten. I mean, his body was physically ready for that. Yeah. And so, you know, what I would encourage high school athletes to do, whether they have an in-school weightlifting class or not, think about player development, which is, you know, training the mind, the body, and the heart but think about it in a sense where I've got to get into the weight room. And if I get stronger, then I'm going to run faster. I'm going to jump higher. I'm going to be more durable on the court. And in, in the end, that's going to help me become a better basketball player.
0: And in a sense, it's just being disciplined and being dedicated to whatever it is that you're doing, uh, whether it be on the basketball court or in the weight room.
1: It is. And I think that um, discipline means that you're going to, you know, time management is huge. You know, because there's so many things that young kids and high school athletes have going on. But when you're looking at your weekly calendar, like our players, every Sunday night we send out their weekly schedule, mm-hmm. and it has their their lift time on it. When we're going to do their skill training that day, obviously their class goes into that. Uh-huh. Obviously, with our nutritionist, we're going to make sure that these guys are breakfast, lunch, dinner, the snacks in between. The players that I see have great success are players who can manage their time um, with so much going on. Um, so I think that is very, very important as well. Also, at the high school level, what I have seen and what I'm seeing is that a lot of elite basketball players, right, are working with their high school coach. Yeah. They're working with a strength coach, maybe at the school. But then they may be also working with a personal trainer mm-hmm. outside of school. Yeah. And in addition to that, they're working with a skills coach outside of school.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So there are four people that the athlete is working with.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's very important, especially at the high school level, to have open dialogue and communication
3: mm-hmm. between point. coaches
1: and trainers, right? Because you could be thinking, man, I'm working my tail off and I'm getting better this off season." But you're overtraining. Mm-hmm. You're doing too much because you're working with four different coaches. Yeah. So my advice would be to make sure everybody is in the circle together mm-hmm. and communicating effectively so that at the end, the player can reach their personal and team goals.
0: No, that's a, that's a great point. That open communication uh, between four and five different people is is so so key. You know, you talked about nutrition. Um, and I know for you guys there in a Power Five, in a job like Indiana, you know, you, you guys have a lot of control over what guys do with nutrition. But for high school athletes, what what are some tips and advice that you would give high school athletes about what to consume, what not to consume, what to stay away from? Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think in its simplest form, nutrition is a math equation. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I have to do with our guys, especially the freshmen that we'll be getting here in a couple of weeks, is to get them to understand how many calories they burn each day.
3: Uh-huh.
1: And we have a great sports nutrition program. And um, our sports nutritionist, Isaac Hicks, is able to test our players when they get on campus and tell them exactly what their metabolism is, uh-huh. which for those listening who don't know what metabolism is, it means if you laid in bed all day, this is how many calories you would burn. Uh-huh. And so on average, our players would burn, laying in bed each day, 2,000 calories. Uh-huh. Well, then we track our players on the court and in the weight room, um, and I'm able to see in real time how many calories they're burning during our workout. Uh-huh. So, for example, this year, on average, at a practice, our players are burning about 1,800 calories.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Right. So if you t- if you take their metabolism, which was two thousand, plus the calories they burned at practice, which was eighteen hundred, mm-hmm. that is thirty eight hundred calories that they burned during a day. Yeah. Now, when you think about fueling your body, and a- many of our guys are trying to put on 10, 15 pounds of mm-hmm. good lean muscle mass. Mm-hmm. In order for them to do that, the bare minimum just to stay the same as 3,800 calories. Yeah. But for them to actually gain lean muscle mass, some of our guys are having to eat six to 6,500 calories a day. Mm -hmm. And that is a job. That means you're waking up early. You're having breakfast. That means you're having a snack between breakfast and lunch. Then you're having lunch, another snack, dinner, and then a big snack before you go to bed at night. Yeah. With like peanut butter and jelly Mm -hmm. and a glass of milk. Mm -hmm. So I think, but, but I think understanding nutrition and the math equation behind it is what's most important Yeah. because metabolism and how many calories you're burning is going to tell you exactly where you need to be in terms of your daily caloric intake. And I think just simple things like hydration, you know, um, one pound, you know, we weigh our players in before and after practice. Mm -hmm. If a player loses one pound in practice, that means they're going to have to have one 20 ounce bottle of water. Mm-hmm. because that'll put that pound back in them from a fluid standpoint, mm-hmm. right? And I think even with protein, you know, we challenge our guys to get one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you're 200 pounds, you need 200 grams of protein um, each day to help your body recover and to help your body build that lean muscle tissue.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That Those, just breaking it down and and simple form like that I think is really good for high school athletes and you know it's one of those things I think as a as a high school coach obviously uh, at bigger schools like Center Grove at McCutcheon you're going to be able to work with a strength and conditioning coach coaches at smaller schools where you have to kind of manage that stuff on your own um, I think those types of things are really good to be able to point athletes to absolutely coach you know on game day, and I know, know again, we're, we're talking a lot of strength conditioning. What, what's your advice for lifting on game day?
1: Well, there's a lot of different philosophies out there um, when it comes to lifting on game day. You know, you hear years ago, Michael Jordan did it with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you see it now in the NBA. Uh, there's a video just recently posted of the Celtics, in addition to the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. where they had their players lifting on game day, mm-hmm. after the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so there's there's a reason behind that. Uh, I think that model is called the high-low model, which in the NBA it kind of states that your high days are whenever you're doing the most work on the court. Mm-hmm. And since that's a high day, you may as well go ahead and hit the weight room
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because you're already taxing your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then the following day would be a low day after the game, which is where you're just going to stretch and get some shots up. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, the college schedule isn't made that way, per se, with with the game.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, So we don't do that at Indiana University. We typically lift in the off-season. We lift four days a week. In the preseason, we lift typically three days a week. And during the season, we do two days a week at least
3: Mm -hmm.
1: with our high-minute guys that are total body lifts. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to lifting on game day, we do some activation stuff with our guys, mm-hmm. which means we don't have them squatting 300 and 400 pounds on game day. But we do have some bands, some body weight exercises, some water bag exercises, and maybe some lightweight stuff that gets the body ready for game activity. Mm-hmm. And we do that on the, on, the, on the front side, right? Not the back side of the game. Yeah. Now, with guys who don't play heavy minutes, they don't get in the game, one of the things that I do try to do after the games is do extra conditioning with them. So if they don't play in the game, then maybe they're going to come up with me and hop on the treadmill or get on our climber machine to make sure that they're staying on top of their fitness.
0: Yeah, and then that way they're they're getting some some of that cardio stuff that the guys would be getting during the games.
1: Exactly, because Coach Woodson's whole thing is you've heard him talk, is next man up, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You know, if, if a player gets hurt, in front of them or a player's injured or there's foul trouble even mm-hmm. and the player's it into the game, you know, he's got to make sure that he's on top of his fitness so that he's not going to be fatigued out there on the court.
0: Absolutely. Coach, on game day, uh, I see you um, getting guys hyped up out there in the tunnel, ready to get get on the floor. Um, I see you waving the towel, fist pumping on the sidelines. What What is your role on the team, with the team, during game day?
1: Well, it starts with our activation work in the weight room. Uh-huh. Um, if we're on the road, then we, we take some equipment on the road with us, and it starts there. Um, I would even say it starts before that at the pregame meal. Uh-huh. You know, with the meal, I'm I'm working in hand in hand with our team nutritionist to make sure that our guys are fueling their body in the pregame meal.
3: Yeah.
1: Once we actually get to the to the to the game itself, you know, I lead the dynamic warm-up for our team with 60 minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, obviously, I want to see two things, really. I want to see excitement, mm-hmm. and I want to see a smile on the guy's face. Because sometimes playing big-time Division One college basketball, you feel the stress and anxiety. And, you know, what I try to do is, is keep the guys loose, make sure they're having a good time, and make sure we're all bringing great energy, mm-hmm. you know, and having fun. Because at the end of the day, The most important thing, whether you're playing youth, high school, college, or even in the pros, you have got to have fun. That's the most important thing. So I try to do that with our team during the pregame. Once we finish our pregame warm-up, obviously the the next thing for me probably is Mm halftime, where the players are going to come in and they're going to fuel their body again with whether it's fruit, Mm -hmm. um, different type of drinks like Pedialyte. Yeah, or 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 gator gator lights, mm-hmm. and then um, fruit snacks, things like that, to make sure. Then I'll stretch them again at halftime. Then we'll head out to the to, to the second half of the game, and then I'm just a I'm really a cheerleader and making sure our guys on the bench are bringing great energy.
0: Now, coach, you hit on something that, that I really found interesting. There, you, you talked about halftime. You know, a lot of times as coaches, whether it's high school coaches, college coaches, we think about that that pregame fuel. Um, and how important that is to, to fuel their bodies, to get them ready to play, to, to, to be mentally sharp. You talked about the stretching and all that dynamic stuff that takes place out on the court 60 minutes, you know, before the teams take the, the floor for warm-ups. Um, but you talked about halftime, um, and, and you mentioned some fruit snacks. So whether it's fruit or fruit snacks, you think do you think it's really important for athletes to have something at halftime?
1: Yeah, I certainly do, especially if they played a lot of minutes in the first half because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, your energy is going to come through your nutrition. Yeah. And specifically through your carbohydrate storage. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important um, for players to get something in halftime. Like I said, not that necessarily they're going to get full. But – and I spoil our guys. You know, some of the guys, whatever it is, some of the guys uh, ask me for Skittles. (laughs) <laughs> so in, in my bag i've always got some skittles so at halftime they're able to get if nothing else they're going to get some skittles at halftime to give them a little extra juice for the second half
0: no it's it's funny you mentioned that my son um he plays basketball but his main stuff is is track and cross country and i i would hate to think how many calories he's burning uh, as a 15 year old kid but his favorite thing in the world is Skittles. And I'm like, man, you know, you're going to be out there on that track performing at a high level. You don't need to be need to be eating a bunch of Skittles. And then to hear that, that, uh, coach Marshall is giving, uh, our, our guys at IU Skittles at halftime. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, may, <laughs> I may, I may hide that from my son that you told me that yeah. on the podcast. No, you're
2: that's right. great.
0: That's great. Well, coach, um, you got just a couple questions here to finish up. Um, You know, talk about uh, our team next year. You don't have to talk about individual guys, and obviously at this point we don't know for sure everybody that's coming back. But I know there's some excitement in the program. You guys went to the NCAA tournament last year. You won a game in the tournament. Um, I just applaud the job that, that you guys did, not just Coach Woodson, but the entire staff because, like you said, there was a lot of change. And when there's a change like that, You know, people don't always understand how difficult that is to overcome. So, I thought you guys had a tremendous year last year. But just talk about some of the excitement going into this coming year.
1: Yeah, I think it's always good right after the season as coaches and as players to just sit down and reflect.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. And I
1: think if you reflect back to our season last year, you know, in June, we brought a team together of new coaches and new players who really didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we had maybe four or five transfers who were coming in new players and we had a whole new coaching staff and with a new coaching staff, your leader and coach Woodson, he's installing a new offense and a new defense. And um, you know, I, I think that that just takes time, right. To, to jail and to get everybody on the same page but then, obviously, having your ups and downs through the season, um, but some really, really great wins, and, you know, just even that Purdue win at home, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of the way that the fans form the court like that, those are memories that our players will have for a lifetime, mm-hmm. and even coaches, you know, and and I think that was huge for us to get that to get that win against Purdue, and then kind of getting into the Big Ten tournament where you reflect back and, man, you know you're going to the Big Ten tournament, need one win, maybe two to get into March Madness, and never forget that Michigan game. We're down 17 points at halftime. Oh, my, that was incredible.
0: That was incredible.
1: You're thinking to yourself, man, if we can't – if we don't get it together here, we're going to be playing in the NIT the following week.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And just, man, to watch our players have grit and toughness and to battle back from down 17 to get that win – and then the following day to beat Illinois, who I think was the number one seed in the tournament, mm-hmm. just great wins that I feel like build momentum for our program for years to come, really. Absolutely. And um, then you um, you know lose the heartbreaker on the three point shot by Jordan Bohanna against Iowa in the semifinals. Yeah, was obviously tough, but was just so proud of our team, right? And then we turn around and we have to play on that following Tuesday, you know, you get a couple of days and then you're playing in March Madness on Tuesday in Dayton. We beat Wyoming. And then we're flying out to the West coast of Portland, Oregon to play St. Mary's, but just so proud of our players, because I think we played five games in three and um, seven days mm-hmm. in three different cities. Yeah. But what great memories we made. And I think what that did for our team is just made us hungry to get mm-hmm. back there next year. But my the message to, to our team, right, is to take the next step. Absolutely. And when I met with Coach Woodson after the season, that is what I walked away from is that we have to take the next step. You know, we're not just happy getting to March Madness anymore. We have to take the next step, which mm-hmm. is competing for a Big Ten title and then making a run in March Madness next year. And I believe we have the players to do it um, on our roster right now.
0: Well, and, and, Coach, that's the thing. You know, you touched on the win at Purdue. You talked about getting back to the tournament. And, you know, everybody always says, well, Indiana fans and and people who support Indiana basketball, we have, you know, unfair expectations of the kids and of the coaches. And, and it, it is what it is. But I think at the heart of it, I, I really do think this for the vast majority of of people on the outside that support Indiana basketball – I think it's just that they want to see the kids be successful and to see them have that success at the end of the year and make that little bit of a run, no matter whether it was to the final four or it was just to the round of 64, but to see those kids have success again, I think is what was special. And I think that's why people are so excited about the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, the fans at Indiana to me, are as good as any in the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, their passion, their passion is second to none. You know, I'm, working with some of our players now even um, as they're preparing to, to go to their next school, you know, in the transfer portal. And I've just been talking to some of them who have been here just a year. yeah. And I, I, I'm like, well, what was your experience like? Or what, what do you think of when, when you re- will reflect on Indiana basketball?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And they say the fans. Like yeah. it's crazy that they, they were only here for a year, but they're in the airport or maybe they're in a different city. And the Indiana fans recognize them, yes. right? And I tell our players, man, that's the platform that you have at Indiana. Mm-hmm. So you cannot take it for granted because it's not here forever. You only yeah. have it for four years, right? Exactly. You know, And so you have to take advantage. I, I tell our recruits when they come on campus because I get at least an hour, uh, typically, 45 minutes an hour with the recruit and their family. So I'll walk them through a full PowerPoint, just have open dialogue about our program. And, um, I tell them it's the three P's, it's the people, it's the program and the platform that mm-hmm. makes Indiana special.
0: That's awesome. Well, coach, we're, we're drawn short on our time here. Um, and so I'm going to put you through a little bit of a speed round here as we finish up. And, uh, um, it, it, these are, these are going to be some good questions. Uh, I'm familiar with Bloomington getting my degree up there at IU, finish up my ed degree. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say, but, um, if you're taking your wife out on Friday night, you got a free night. You know that uh, there's no duties there with Indiana basketball. you uh, got the kids Saturday and Sunday. But a free Friday night, what restaurant are you taking your wife to?
1: I would say right now probably Uptown Cafe. We really enjoy that place.
0: Okay. At Uptown Cafe. What's your favorite thing to eat there?
1: Crab cakes. I'm a huge seafood guy and they have great crab cakes at, at uptown cafe so
0: you're going to uptown cafe you're not going red lobster for any of that uh, imitation stuff you're going, you're going... <laughs> no not at all <laughs> so duties around the house household chores what's your least favorite thing to do
1: probably just take out the trash you know that's probably the <laughs> the easiest one my wife does such a good job handling everything around the house but from time to time i'll i'll have to gather the trash throughout the <laughs> house I do all the yard work. I enjoy mowing the yard. I love landscaping, just being outside. So I take care of all the outside, and she takes care of all the inside.
0: See, I, I could be outside all day. But uh, my least favorite thing to do is the dishes. But i tell you what, that scores me brownie points every time I do them. So I, I try to I try to do a load of dishes every once in a while. Um, yeah. Coach, favorite movie? Something that if it's on TV, you got to at least stop for a little while from doing what you're doing because – it's your favorite movie.
1: Yeah, I would say my favorite movie um, was a movie that I watched when I was in high school. Probably know, many people know it was called Varsity Blues. I was, you know,
3: yep.
1: in high school football, and, and it just highlighted what high school football is all about. So the movie <laughs> was called Varsity Blues. I think it would have been out around. Maybe 1999 or 2000. It's still a classic, one oh, of my favorites. I was
0: going to say that's a great movie and it's a throwback. And now I'm thinking about maybe this weekend we're going to be playing a little bit of basketball. But maybe in between games, I may check out Varsity Blues again. Um, yeah. Favorite book uh, that coaches could check out that that you've checked out that you really really enjoy.
1: Probably The Purpose-Driven Life it's by Rick Warren. It just, again, it's, it's kind of who I am and who, what I try to live, a, a life full of purpose. And as a coach, we can impact so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Billy Graham once said that a coach will impact more people in one year than most people will in a lifetime. And I think as coaches, if we have that purpose-driven mindset that we can make an impact on our athletes beyond the game that they play so Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren is a great book
0: all right and coach um, a really good follow out there on social media who can you who can you tip us to because I know there's there's so many coaches out there that are putting really good stuff out it's I guess one of the positives of social media Um, I, I enjoy following you out there but who's a good follow on social media
1: yeah, I think in the strength and conditioning world, if you're, if you're looking, um, for fitness and nutrition and you're an athlete, especially a basketball player, the strength coach at Houston Cougars, Alan Bishop is a guy I've enjoyed following this, this last year. He puts out a lot of great content.
0: Alan Bishop. Um,
1: Alan Bishop is his name. Yes. And he's a great strength coach. Obviously you've seen the success that Houston's had over the last few seasons and Absolutely. he's a a, ma- a major reason why.
0: Well, Coach, I want to give a sincere thank you to you for your time. Um, You've just jam-packed this podcast today with all kinds of advice for athletes, for coaches, and even for parents um, with young athletes. I I know you you really did a great job of talking about if your son or daughter is playing at a high level of how important it is to communicate with the other coaches that are involved, um, not just the head coach, um, you've given us so much and I appreciate your time and I wish you nothing but the best um, here in this season to come. And, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough for being on with us today.
1: Yes, coach. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I just want to finish by saying, I know there's a lot of high school kids in your, in your media class there. And even any of the high school kids that are listening, just one message that I would finish with today is find your passion in high school or, or, as quickly as you can you know I found my passion of weight training Mm -hmm. as a high school football player when I was 16 years old and I knew right away I wanted to do something in the fitness industry I have a video of myself walking out on senior night with my mom and dad in 1999 and I state that I wanted to be a physical education teacher and strength coach in high school. Mm-hmm. Now, God obviously blessed me and opened many more doors, being a college strength coach and being a strength coach in the NFL, but I found my passion
0: uh-huh.
1: and never worked a day in my life.
0: Yeah, that's great And that's advice. what I would
1: love to see all those high school students that you're working with, their coaches, that they would find their passion and never work a day in their life.
0: That's awesome advice. Awesome advice. Yeah, I've been, I've been blessed as well. To, to find something that I've been very passionate about. And like you said, there are times where it, it becomes a little trying. You go through trials just like you you have talked about here on the podcast. But, man, when you are working in whatever your passion is, it doesn't seem like it's work. It's just a labor of love.
1: Exactly. Great.
0: All right. Well, Coach, thank you again for being on with us. And uh, you have a blessed day, and and go Hoosiers.
1: All right, Coach Thompson. Thanks so much for having me. Go Hoosiers.
0: Hey, thanks a lot. Right, see you, bro. Oh, my. That was a tremendous podcast. Yes, I'm applauding in the background, not for myself, not for the Barreed Media class. I am applauding Coach Cliff Marshall. We've had a lot of good podcasts. That maybe was the best one. I loved the part where he talked about coaching the heart of the athlete. I talked I love the part where he talked about the five love languages and doing that survey with your players. I'm telling you what, if you couldn't take five or six nuggets from this one, quit listening. (laughs) No. Guys, thanks for being on with us. Ladies, thanks for being on with us. Our data shows that we do have lady listeners. So we appreciate each and every one of you out there in podcast land. This is our last podcast of the school year. But we will keep going throughout the summer because we aren't going to stop chucking it from the cheap seats.
2: Chucking it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812. 812- 204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com.